time for the best coverage of the top stories in sports. The Sports Wrap with Jason Page starts now. Good to have you with us this Thursday, November 9th, 2023. I am Jason Page. Matt Verderam, our good friend from SI.com, stops by in a little bit. Talk some NFL with him. Who are his midseason NFL awards? I'll be curious to get his thoughts. Maybe we'll give him some of ours as well. Uh, Sam Yarnell is here. He is uh, the Prince of Picks, our friend, our comrade, uh, hanging out with us on the program today. All right, Sam, I wanted to start the show today. It's a light day. I know we got the NFL game tonight. We'll preview that on the back end of things. Uh, But I wanted to do our awards for the midway point, we wanted to do this last week. We just didn't run out. We just ran out of time uh, to do it because there's so much going on and only an hour to try and kind of fit it all in every day. Uh, so we're doing our midseason NFL awards today. I am curious how many you and I agree and disagree on. So we're going to let you get it started. Ladies and gentlemen, Sam Yarnell's midseason NFL awards. Go. All right, Jason, we'll kick things off with my midseason MVP. And it's got to be Jalen Hurts. When you look at the competition, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, even Jalen Hurts is the one who's really lived up to the billing that the others haven't. Patrick Mahomes has thrown a ton of interceptions. Josh Allen has not led the Bills offense to where they need to be this far in the season. And Lamar Jackson's been good at times, but when he doesn't have all the weapons around him, when that team doesn't stay healthy, he really tends to struggle. So I think so far, Jalen Hurts has to be my MVP. Look at the look at the season AJ Brown is having in Philadelphia. A lot of the credit for that deser- is deserved. Uh, of Jalen Hurts. He's my midseason MVP. Offensive player of the year midseason. This is an easy one. It's not close. It's Christian McCaffrey and then probably 50 pounds of doo-doo and then everybody else. Christian McCaffrey is going to walk away with this award. He could get injured tomorrow and probably would still be the favorite for it. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is your offensive player of the year. My defensive player of the year is a little different than the chalk. I like Miles Garrett to be the defensive player of the year this season. Now, listen, there's a lot of great competition in the division alone. Look at TJ Watt, but Miles Garrett has really stood out on a Browns defense that has been hands down the best in football so far this season. I love Miles Garrett. I think that he's having a breakout season and it'll be rewarded in the form of a defensive player of the year. My coach of the year. The grit master himself, Dan Campbell. Look at what he's done with the Lions. He's completely turned that franchise around using not all the most talent, right? We see coaches do this sometimes with way more talent on the roster. Dan Campbell really has that team playing together. He's got to be the coach of the year this season. Offensive rookie of the year, again, not close. Kind of like the McCaffrey with the offensive player of the year thing. It's C.J. Stroud and then everybody else. Uh, C.J. Stroud is electric. The Houston Texans offense is electric. I come on this show weekly and talk about it. Almost daily, I talk about how electric the Houston Texans offense offenses cj stroud is so deserving of this offensive rookie of the year and he should cruise to winning it my defensive rookie of the year now this is one where i had a little bit of a debate with myself but i ended up going with devin witherspoon devin witherspoon has just been so in prime time regular games he's been 
a, a good, solid starter across the board. And that's all you can ask for from a rookie on the defensive side. Devin Witherspoon is my defensive rookie of the year. So MVP hurts, offensive player of the year, McCaffrey, defensive player of the year, Garrett, coach of the year, Dan Campbell, offensive rookie of the year, CJ Stroud, defensive rookie of the year, Devin Witherspoon. Jason, how many do we differ on? <sighs> Feels like a lot. <laughs> I'm surprised on the ones we actually agree on, though. I'm actually surprised on the ones that you and I uh, tend to agree on here. All right, let me tell you where I'm coming from here. Um, for my midseason awards, Lamar Jackson's got to be it. I know you're poo-pooing him. I know you want to give me Jalen Hurts, but Lamar Jackson, with the contract in hand, coming off the offseason, uh, all the the you know the standoff between he and the team, Lamar Jackson has been a most valuable player this year. He has lived up to every expectation you would want coming off that contract. Now, he will be judged by what he does ultimately in the postseason, as most players are in their career. And he has come up short there in the past. And I still think he may come up short there in the past. But if you talk about an MVP right now, when you pair him with that outstanding defense right now for me, it's Lamar Jackson. He's done a really good job protecting the football. More importantly, he's done a good job protecting himself. And they can't win without him on the field. So I'll go Lamar Jackson. Uh, as my MVP. Offensive player of the year. I can't give it to Christian McCaffrey. I need a guy who's on the field every week. I need a cheetah. How about Tyreek Hill for offensive player of the year? How is it not Tyreek Hill? I want to know how you would give it to McCaffrey, who is very valuable, over Tyreek Hill, who is the offense, who is the guy that stirs the drink down there in Miami. For me, it's Tyreek Hill. Defensive player of the year, we agree. I think it's Miles Garrett. I don't think it's I, I don't think it's an outside the box pick at all. I know some people might look at Micah Parsons, some might talk about TJ Watt, but for me, it's gotta be Miles Garrett. The guy has been a game changer on a game changing defense. I don't know if it's the best defense in football as you might claim, but I will say uh they are certainly in the top two or three in the league. I'll give it to Miles Garrett. Coach of the year. For me, it has to be Mike Tomlin. He has a he's got a Steelers team that's five and three. I don't know how this thing ends by the end of the year. Again, it is we are basing it on the first half of the season. For that team to be five and three with zero semblance of an offense, it's gotta be Mike Tomlin for me. And he finds ways to do it every single year. I don't know if at the end of the year we'll be talking about Mike Tomlin for coach of the year, but for having that team at 5-3 and three in a fantastic AFC North, Mike Tomlin is my coach of the year. Uh, offensive and defensive rookie of the year, we agree on Devin Witherspoon. I, I, I love his numbers. I've watched him throughout the season. He had the pick six against the Giants for 97 yards. He's got a couple of INTs. He's anchored that secondary uh, for Pete Carroll's team over there in Seattle albeit a team that isn't as good as the record might have indicated. We found that out last week against Baltimore, but thus far, Devin Witherspoon, my defensive rookie of the year. For offense, it's got to be C.J. Stroud. <laughs> there isn't anybody close. Now, I will say this, and you went through all the numbers, and we can talk about the numbers on Stroud all day. His leadership, though, the belief that team has in him, something you don't often see with rookie quarterbacks. And granted, when you put up the numbers he has, led some of the touchdown, uh, you know, game-winning touchdown drives that he has, you could look at C.J. Stroud and certainly understand why that team would view him 
as an offensive rookie of the year. Um, Runner-up, though. A close runner-up if you're talking about offensive rookie of the year so far. It's got to be Puka Nakua. The guy's put up monster numbers uh, this season in L.A. And even with, um, you know, the return of Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua is still a part of that offense. A lot of people thought he'd sort of fade into the background. He's still been a big part of that offense. I don't know what it looks like the rest of the year with the Rams sort of packing it in. But so far, I'll give Puka Nakua a runner-up when it comes to offensive rookie of the year. So my picks, Lamar Jackson for MVP, Tyree Kill for Offensive Player of the Year, Miles Garrett, your Defensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, Mike Tomlin, your Rookies of the Year. On the offensive side of the ball, it's C.J. Stroud. It's Devin Witherspoon of the Seahawks. So there you go, Sam. That's what I, that's what I got. Uh, Where's I would your just gripes? Like to say, Come on. Give I me would your just gripes. like to say, my only gripe is Offensive Player of the Year because that is just so inevitably clearly Christian McCaffrey's award between the historic touchdown run between the fact that he's played one less, he's missed one game and he's played one less game than Tyree kill. And he's got 13 more fantasy points than Tyree. I'm not talking about fantasy points. I'm talking about offensive player of the year. I'm not talking about fantasy points, Jason. What, what is fantasy football? Fantasy football is counting. It is counting offensive stats. Tyree uh, Kill is the unstoppable. It, Christian McCaffrey does everything in the best offense I love on the him. planet. You know what? Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill has been shut down at least once this year. Um, Christian McCaffrey hasn't. At the end of the day, if, if you want to compare, if you want to just talk about that, Tyree Kill got shut down in that Buffalo game. Uh, Christian McCaffrey has scored a touchdown in almost. A, if not every game this season, um, he's unstoppable. Uh, I, I guess Tyree Kill could be a close second, but not I'll really put that McCaffrey close. Is a Christian clo- McCaffrey. I could say McCaffrey is a close second, though. But Christian McCaffrey scores touchdowns. Against, Tyree Kill and by does the not. way, you said he hasn't been stopped. That's not true, and I knew there was a game. Against Cleveland, he was non-existent. Yeah, he had a touchdown. Great. He had nine yards receiving. He had 43 yards rushing. Non-factor in the game. Scored a touchdown. Non-factor. Okay, so three times this season, Tyreek Hill has gone for 62 yards or less. The Offensive Player of the Year never does that. The Offensive Player of the Year does not have a game where they go for under 80. Um, at the end of the day, Stephon, there's an argument to be made just looking at raw numbers. Stefan Diggs is putting up oh, the same numbers Tyreek Hill is. Give me time. Give um, Stephon Diggs. If, if we just want to be objective and, and real about it, they're, I mean, I'll put them both into the player compare for the show tomorrow, but uh, that's interesting. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is going to win Offensive Player of the Year. I'd put the house on it. I don't think so. I don't think odds so. makers disagree with you strongly. Yeah, that's that's okay. Odds makers so, also so the odds makers also kill ticket no. tomorrow. The odds maker the odds makers also think that the Jaguars aren't winning the AFC South, man. So no, mean, they, no, no, no. The the Jags are super heavily favored. No, not to win the. I mean, not the Jags. Sorry, you're uh, Houston Texans. They, oh, they don't believe yeah, your Houston Texans yeah. are going to win the AFC South. So I could I could play that same game all day. But we agree on most of them. And by the way. 
I mean, if we're talking Tyreek Hill and Christian McCaffrey, you're still talking 1A and 1B. I mean, if we're talking about their impact on the game and what they mean to both of their teams, I, I you know, <laughs> it's it's not exactly shoot me in the toe or shoot me in the ankle. We're talking about two outstanding players. So yeah, I agree. Here's my thing. Christian McCaffrey works on his own. Tyreek Hill's reliant on not only, I mean, yes, Tua, obviously, to throw him the ball. But, you know, he's so reliant on Jalen Waddle on the other side of the field, moving the defense over and spreading it out. Yeah, but uh, when Jalen Waddle's been hurt, he's still ha- he's still putting up numbers. He's so putting up better true. numbers when Jalen Waddle's hurt because Tua doesn't have not to Not even necessarily better, but he's, the ball. but he's still putting up good numbers. And he makes Tua better. So the idea that, well, he needs Tua, he makes Tua better. Let's be honest about it. That's going to be a double-edged sword that we will run into eventually, though, because if we want to keep talking about the progression of Tua and how he continues to get better, it's either he's getting better because of Tyreek Hill or Tyreek Hill is getting better because of him. They, it's not, they can't be the same. They can't be both mutually happening at the same time. I think it could be a little of both. I think him being on the field and being healthy is what's allowing him to grow and get better as a quarterback too. It's consistent reps. It's being out there every week. It's not being injured. It's not playing three games, missing two, playing four games, missing one. It's being out there every week uh, for his team. All right, that's what we got for uh, our midseason awards. We will see where they wind up at the end of the season. We'll post them. We'll keep. We'll we'll put them someplace safe where everybody can can certainly check them out. Uh, when we return, we'll see what our friend Matt Verderam thinks when it comes to his midseason awards or what he thinks of ours. I don't know if he'll have his own already done yet. We'll talk about it with Matt Verderam, our good friend. He joins us as we continue with the sports wrap on this Thursday. We're rolling along on this Thursday edition of the show. All right, Sam and I gave you our midseason award winners. And again, keep in mind, it's just midseason. This doesn't mean this is where it's going to wind up at the end of the year. Just where we think we are now at this stage of the season. As good a day as any to talk to Matt Verderam. He does a terrific job over at SI.com. NFL insider. Uh, All right, I want to see. I want to watch the reaction on your face. As I tell you, our our midseason award winners, and in particular, I'll give you mine. Um, My MVP right now is Lamar Jackson. My offensive player of the year is Tyreek Hill. Defensive player of the year, I'm going with Miles Garrett. Coach of the year, I'm going with Mike Tomlin. I I think having that team 5-3 and through their first eight games is nothing short of a miracle when you look at the division they're playing in, what they have at quarterback, the inconsistent play there. Uh, offensive and defensive rookie of the year. I'm going with Devin Witherspoon on the defensive side and C.J. Stroud on the offensive side. All right, have at it. Well, you and I are pretty similar. Um, Offensive and defensive player of the year, we agree. Um, Rookies, we agree on both. uh, Because I did this on my MMPB pod uh, this week, and so we're in a lockstep there. Coach of the year, I would actually go with D'Amico Ryans. Like, that team has won 10 games in three years. And they're four and four right now. And like actually playing to a level where if you look at their schedule, they might be a playoff team. 
Like they really actually might be in the playoffs. We talked about it. it's funny. It's funny you. It's funny you mentioned that because when right now, if you looked at it and you looked at the records and everything, you'd say, "Well, Jacksonville's a lock." Jacksonville's schedule is brutal the second half, and That's Houston's it. is much more favorable. Uh, and Sam actually believes he he put in a wager on them. I think early in the season or, or something like that to to win the division at, at big odds. And yeah. it's not. And right now, it doesn't look like a terrible pick. Houston also already pounded Jacksonville in Jacksonville. So there's that to factor in too. So I got Ryan's as my coach of the year. The MVP. I mean, you could pick out of a hat right now. I, I'll take Hertz. Because he's on pace for like forty-five touchdowns, um, but you could go with Jackson. I feel like you really can't go with Mahomes, but also he's the betting favorite everywhere because everybody just thinks he's going to win it anyway. He's not by his standards been good, but by anybody else's standards, he's somehow the MVP front runner. Tua, I think it's a really hard case at this point. Every time they play somebody good, they lose, and he doesn't play well. So you can't really be the MVP because you hung seventy on Denver. Like that, that, that kind of goes out the window. So, yeah, I think it's one of those three guys. And then you got to watch Burrow. Burrow's played great the last couple of weeks. Uh, how about C.J. Stroud? Has to be offensive rookie of the year, right? That's a no-brainer? No doubt. Yeah, I don't think he's MVP, but, yeah, he definitely. Oh, yeah. Definitely offensive player of the year. I mean, rookie. rookie. Of yeah, rookie. Yeah, no Puka no Nakua, but Puka Nakua's got to get some love, too. He does, but he has no shot. Stroud's going to be. I mean, unless Stroud gets hurt, you know, because Nakua, as, as terrific as he's been, Stroud has been unbelievable. And Nakua, look, I mean, 827 receiving yards. I mean, my God, he might have 1,500 this season. But I just think he's in the wrong year. A lot of years you would have won it, you know. But Stroud is just incredible. Um, You mentioned Miami. The game against Kansas City, though had to have some encouraging signs for them. When you look at the way they played the first two times against good opponents, Buffalo, uh, Philadelphia, whatever whatever it may be, you watch them against uh, against Kansas City in that game. They're right there at the end. So, I mean, and as much as people are going to want to dump on them for the fact that they haven't played well against great teams or haven't gotten the win against great teams, I don't need them to get those wins now. I needed him to get him in January and February, potentially, more than I need him to get him now. So as long as I'm seeing improvement, isn't that something to feel better about if you're a Dolphins fan? Yes and no. I mean, they were down 21-0 at halftime in that game. And I get it. They got it to a score. They partially got it to a score because Chris Jones decked somebody after the play. And it was going to be like fourth and 12. And if you were watching that game, like you and I had about as good of a chance of picking up that fourth and 12 as Miami did. And then it's like, and then if they lose 21 7, they're sitting here being like, yeah, well, I mean, who cares? Right. They scored one touchdown. No, they, they, they scored. And you give them credit for that. My problem with Miami is the way the game ended more than anything else. If you get down 21 nothing, you get the ball back. The offense, can't say his offense, do nothing. You get the ball, get over midfield, you end up in third and 26. You have to punt. You get the ball right back. You get down there, third and one, or third, third and ten, rather, third and ten. Tua has a guy wide open in the end zone, and I don't know what happened. Miscommunication, whatever. He throws the ball 15 yards short of the end zone. And then fourth and ten fumbles a snap right in his hands. Like, you can't make those mistakes against good teams. You're not going to win games against good teams like that. And my, I just didn't feel like Miami was that competitive in that game. Like defensively, they were. But overall, I never felt like Kansas City was going to lose that football game. 
Uh, Jacksonville, are you buying in? I am. Because I don't even think they've played their best football on the offensive end yet. I think they're a top seven, top eight defense. You look at it statistically, they bend but don't break in the red zone. I think the red zone defense has been really good, especially over the last few games. Give me some thoughts on on Jacksonville. Could they make a run deep into this postseason? I'm torn on Jacksonville because I, I, I love Lawrence, and I think Peterson obviously deserves all the respect. He's won a Super Bowl. We're going to find out a lot about them in the next six weeks. A lot. San Francisco, at Houston, Cincinnati at home on a Monday night, at Cleveland, Baltimore. Like, if you ask me in six weeks, I'll have a lot better answer. Now, that being said, right this second, I think they're a second-tier AFC team. I don't think they're as good as the Chiefs. I don't think they're as good as the Bengals. I don't think they're as good as Baltimore. After that, are they as good as Buffalo, Miami? Sure. Yeah, you can make that case. I just – I know the defense has been good. I don't trust that defense against really, really good offenses. Like, like If they get the Chiefs in the playoffs, even with the Chiefs' offensive struggles, like I, I just believe that Mahomes will slice them up if he has to. Burrow, same thing. I think Jacksonville is a, is a very good team. I, I have a very hard time seeing them going to the Super Bowl. Are you surprised with what we've seen out of Will Levis in his first couple of games? A little. I, I mean, I saw – I'm trying to think. He, he was down at the senior ball, if memory serves me right. Um, but I don't know. I can't remember if he, if he practiced or not. Regardless, I mean, I remember watching him in Kentucky. Um, but he's got a huge arm, and he's gonna he can make every throw you need to make. The question is, can he do it consistently? Can he do it without turning the ball over and taking a bunch of sacks? And at times, he's taken some sacks, and he's made some weird throws. At other times, like he's gunned it down the field and thrown these these huge bombs for touchdowns, specifically against Atlanta. Um, he's intriguing. He's intriguing. And if you're the Titans, like that's what your season's about now. You're not going to the playoffs. You're not winning any meaningful games this year. Like, what does Will Levis look like the second half of the season? Because every team in the league that might have a quarterback question, they got a huge, huge, huge draft sitting in front of them. Where you talk to people around the league, there are six to eight different quarterbacks people think might go in the first round. I mean, it, you have a huge class, whether it, it's not just Williams and May. I mean, it's it's Penix and it's McCarthy, you know, and on and on and on and on. Like, it's, it's a, there's a, you know, Bo Nix. There's a lot of guys people are keeping their eyes on. Now, I don't think you're going to have eight guys going the first round, but I bet you're going to have five. And so, if you know, if, if you're Tennessee and let's say you're sitting there with the 11th pick, you better be damn sure Will Levis is the guy. Because if he's not, and you pass on whoever, you know, McCarthy out of Michigan, the kid turns into a Tom Brady, you're not going to be feeling too good about that. So I am intrigued by him. This is a big couple of months. Yeah, I would agree with you. What do you do if you're the Giants? Do you, do you go into the tank? I, I, I call the league and I forfeit all the games. <laughs> because, I, I, because I can't take this anymore from the Giants. Oh, I don't think they're going to have to try to go in the tank. They're in the tank. It's over. I mean, Jones is out for the year. He wasn't good to begin with. Now he's out for the season. I have no idea when, when if Tyrod's coming back. I mean, Tommy DeVito is is tank insurance. They're going. They're not winning another game this year. Wow. That team. Not, who are they beating? Man, I, mean, they I, no, I get it. I mean, you win a game by accident in this league. Um, if you look at the rest of the schedule, if you look at the rest of the schedule, I mean, I I get where you're coming from. 
Uh, I, I would like them to tank. They got. I mean, look, I'm not even going to talk about can they win another. It's irrelevant. They're not making the postseason. And if you if you know you're not making the postseason, and now your quarterback situation is completely in chaos, I think you have to tank to get one of those quarterbacks that are going to be there at the top of the draft. To steal uh, the acronym from the young kids, they are they are uh, at the quarterback position. I mean, it is uh, foobar at this point. Uh, if you know what that stands <laughs> yes, for, so they do. yeah, I mean that's where they're at here, man. Like. They got Philly twice, Dallas, at Washington, at New Orleans. Yeah. I mean, those they have no chance those fights. Even though Washington's not that good, like it's in Washington, not win that game. The only games you look at on their schedule and you're like, any shot at all. Pats at home, Packers at home, maybe the Rams at home if Stafford's not playing. Like, that's it. It's I'll tell you right now, though, if you're the Giants, if there's ever a year for this to happen to you, this is the year. Because I don't care that they just paid Daniel Jones. You're taking a quarterback. Like you're taking a quarterback. You're not even blinking. You're taking Caleb Williams or Drake May, and you're done. That's it. Like, that's what you're doing. You know, I know there will be people like, well, you know, Daniel Jones. No, no. Trade him, sit him, whatever. Like, he's done. So, as bad as this stinks for the Giants, I still believe in the coach. I still believe in the staff. I think if they had any offense that defense could be pretty decent. I like some of the young pieces, especially up front. So the Giants, as much as this is an absolute disaster, like it could actually long term not be the worst thing that's ever happened. Are you surprised with the way Arthur Miller's handled the Desmond Ritter situation down there? Because I, I you know, I, I did a commentary on this last week. Um, look, I get sometimes staying with a quarterback too long could be detrimental for your organization. And we've seen plenty of examples of it. I, don't, right. I just don't think we've seen enough of him. I think he's, you know, I, I don't know if he's going to be great or turn out to be the next guy. I ran through a list of quarterbacks from, you know, the 80s and 90s, guys that if after their first 16 games in the league we had sat them, um, you know, we wouldn't have had three or four different Hall of Famers. So to me, I wonder why there's this lack of patience. I'm not saying Ritter's going to be one of those guys. I just can't understand how Taylor Heineke, how we're supposed to believe he's going to be any better. Yeah, I got to tell you, first of all, you called uh, Arthur Smith, Arthur Miller. Arthur Miller, sorry. sorry. Death um, of a salesman. Might as well be Arthur Miller. Secondly, <laughs> um, I've seen enough of Desmond Ritter. I'm good. I'm good. I've, I've seen enough. I saw, I mean, I, I saw him at the Senior Bowl. Really nice kid. I, I just never felt like he's going to be a starter in the NFL. I, mean, I, I just think at some point, well, here's the problem. If you're Atlanta and you're and you're Arthur Smith or Arthur Miller, you don't have enough time. <laughs> like if, if you go seven and ten this year, you're gone, right? Like you're probably gone. Heineke gives you the best chance to win that absolute disaster of a division. And then you can at least go, hey, hang a banner. We we won, we won the division. Awesome. We're making progress, right? Like if you don't win the division, why should Arthur Blank keep you? What is the point? So I think they look at Heineke and say he's got more upside now. But to lose that game last weekend to Minnesota is just ridiculous. That is an impossible game to lose. <laughs> Another, all the credit in the world to Josh Dobbs. All the credit in the world to him. How do you lose that football game? He didn't know the plays. You're playing as a quarterback who literally didn't know what to do and you lost on a two-minute drill. I mean, it's just that's that's the Falcons in a nutshell. Um, how impressed were you with Dobbs? I I I actually was impressed with him in Arizona. 
You know, I saw yeah. some things out of him with with a pretty lackluster roster that told me yeah. the guy can play. He'll, he'll run through a wall. You know, he's obviously got the toughness quotient sort of down. He's smart. Um, you know, he, he knows how to play the position well enough that he was able to come without any practice, without knowing the playbook, and win on the road. Uh, to me... I think the guy can play. I, I don't know if they make the playoffs with him or not, but it's it creates an interesting situation in Minnesota. It does. Look, they're five and four. The schedule's not easy. Okay, they got Cincy on the road. They got Detroit twice, but Packers at home, Bears at home, Saints at home this weekend, at Denver on a Sunday night, which is a crime against humanity that that game's going to be on national television. But um, <laughs> they can get to nine. And if they get to nine, they can see they're making the playoffs. So... Like I, I agree with you. I don't like the Cardinals just gave Dobbs away so they could start the immortal Clayton Tune. Apparently, if that was it had had to see we having Clayton Tune, uh, well, we we now know what we have in Clayton Tune. So <laughs> they gave him away for nothing for reasons I still don't understand. And I agree with you. Like Dobbs is a good backup quarterback. He's not a great starter, but he's the kind of guy he'll be in the league till he's thirty-seven. Right? He'll just hang around, play for eight. He'll be he'll be Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like low, probably not as good as Fitzpatrick because Fitzpatrick actually to me is pretty good. But like he'll hang around, he'll be in the league, he'll he'll be you know, Chase Daniel, he'll be around for twelve years, and that that's not a bad career. That's fine. No, it isn't. Uh, Matt Verderam, check out his work, NFL Insider, over at si.com. He does a great job on all things football. Good to catch up with you, my friend. You too. We're coming back. More to do on the sports wrap on this Thursday. Continuing on this Thursday edition of the show, thank you to our friend, the great Matt Verderam, for hanging out with us and talking some NFL. And again, check out his work over at SI.com, also in the magazine as well. As he was explaining, he's got some things coming down the pike uh, over there, and it's going to be great to, to read his work, not just see it on a screen. But I actually said I think I'll actually subscribe to the magazine again because he's writing for it and he's such a good friend of the show. All right, Thursday night football tonight. Bears hosting the Panthers. It's the game that might send Al Michaels into retirement. (laughs) It would send me into retirement if I were Al Michaels. You come over to Amazon Prime uh, and Prime Video to do these games. Prime Video pays all this money to the NFL to get the NFL package. And what do they get? And they want people to pay for Prime Video to watch these games. And what do you get? Bears and Panthers in week 10. It's, it's the ultimate head-scratcher. Uh, minus three are the Bears in this game at home against the Panthers. 38.5 is your total. Uh, minus 120 if you get the Bears over at that minus three. Uh, I like Chicago minus three. I like the Bears uh, to win. I like under 38.5 uh, as well. So any of those bets will do. Our friend Sam Yarnell, he also likes the Bears. At minus three, you can look at our picks here. And uh, if you want to ride with us, die with us, whatever it may be, uh, you're absolutely welcome to do so. So that's what Sam's got. Uh, He has the over for Adam Thielen when it comes to receiving yards in this game at 68.5. He also has the over when it comes to receptions for Adam Thielen in this game. That is 6.5. So those are our picks for the Thursday night NFL game. That's about as much time as it deserves. We'll wrap it up with odds and ends as we continue the sports wrap on this Thursday. Glad to have you with us.
All right, time to wrap things up on this Thursday with some odds and ends. Uh, let me start with the NBA. Couple of good regular season games last night. One in particular caught my attention. I watched the Nuggets and the Warriors. Now, granted, no Jamal Murray for the Nuggets in this game. No Draymond Green uh, for the Warriors. Still, this was an entertaining basketball game. And that's the one thing about the NBA. Yes, the regular season is largely irrelevant until we get to, to Christmas and beyond. But there are always some good games at some point during the week that are going to be fun to watch. That's what you get with the NBA. You know, regular season matchups in the NHL during the regular season? Eh, I'm not getting that excited for it. Even baseball, by and large, regular season baseball with 162 games? Eh, hard to get excited about it. But when you're talking about the NBA and some of the best players in the world and some of these marquee matchups that you get during the regular season with teams, you know, hooking up that you could potentially see in the postseason. And it gives us some small indicator of what we might see come the postseason. Fun game last night between the Nuggets and Warriors. Uh, enjoyed watching it. Stephen Curry coming up a little short late in the game with a layup that I think he makes nine times out of ten. Nuggets able to hang on despite some missed free throws from Nikola Jokic, uh, and they get the win. Other notes to get to from around the sports world before we wrap today. We were talking about the Thursday night NFL game, the odds and all of that stuff. Did you see the line on Iowa and Rutgers for this Saturday? (laughs) The consensus basically has it around 28. It's the lowest total on a game going back to at least 2,000 according to ESPN. And if it's that low, don't you have to take the under? I mean, is there any way? I know there's going to be some suckers out there that take the over. And who knows? Maybe it winds up going over. Uh, But these two teams, so inept at scoring the football, uh, the number has been set at 28. 28. Historically low. Historically bad, depending on how you want to look at it. Let's go back to the NBA to wrap things up. Yes, Victor Wimbamiana had a huge game against Phoenix last week, and we talked about it on the show. That's the good that you're going to get from this 19-year-old in his rookie season in the league. The bad? We saw it last night against the Knicks. Mitchell Robinson, Isaiah Hartenstein, they were able to shut him down throughout the game. He struggled from the field. He struggled shooting. There were even some chants of overrated from the Garden Faithful. Yikes! Uh, but don't worry. Victor Wimbamyama is going to be just fine. Last night was just one of those nights uh, that, as a rookie, he's going to have. The one thing I noticed, though, and I want, to, I want to point this out, he was letting what happened on the offensive side of the floor impact what he was doing on the defensive side of the floor. And at 7-3, 7-4, 7-5, whatever the hell he is, depending on where you read, he cannot afford to be a non-factor on the defensive end of the floor. The other thing you noticed in that game from the Knicks, They were able to push him around. That frame is going, and, you know, he's not like Kevin Durant where he's going to constantly be expected to be in the paint and make a difference down there. Um, And, yes, he could do some things on the perimeter, and last night wasn't one of those nights. But when he gets down in the paint and guys like Mitchell Robinson and Hartenstein are are sort of pushing him around, that's where he's going to have to get tougher in order to be the player that we all think he's going to be at this level. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this Thursday edition of the show. Try to enjoy Thursday night football. Good luck with that. Uh, We'll be back here on Friday. Page versus the Prince, our Week 10 edition of NFL Picks. We'll see how we do in those, and we'll have a recap of the Thursday night football game as well. I'm Jason Page. Thanks for being with us. This is the Sports Wrap.